Father, for all that you're doing, thank you. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for securing us in our salvation. And this past week that in Maui, some horrific things that has happened. And I just pray for the people. I pray for their families. I pray for the Christians as a whole that we would understand the message that we've got to contend for the faith. We must endure the crosses. And at all costs, I pray, Father, that we will keep that which you have given us, that we'll hold it sacred and true. And we just give you thanks for all the people of God that are learning to give and support that the gospel of Christ can continue to go out. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give me two weeks on this topic? Just give me two weeks. Because if you don't, you're going to be here until Labor Day is over. We talked about the great cloud of witnesses last week. Who are these people? We found that out. There are those that went before us in the heavens and they're rooting us, applauding us, praying for us. And we went through a long process last week about this. This morning, I'm going to break this up in two weeks. I didn't say we'd be short at it. I'm just going to tell you, we're going to break it up in two weeks, make you feel better. What should we do when we're struggling? What do we do when we're struggling? As Christians. Genesis 3 and 17, this is what God gives the prediction. He said, all your life, you will struggle. This was the prediction that God gave Adam. All your life, you will struggle. And I'm telling you this morning, you can be a part of a church or a a part of religion. They'll teach you that there's not going to be struggle involved. The best thing you do is leave there as quick as you can. Because all of us are familiar with struggling with something one way or the other. And we're going to talk about it. It's not odd. Matter of fact, the Bible, he said, don't think it's odd or peculiar when these things happen to you. As some strange thing has been down and happened to you, we all are partakers of his suffering. And if you will live a godly life, you will suffer persecution in one way or the other. And it doesn't take very much for somebody to see it. As you know, that I am an opponent of of anybody, they'll teach you this name and claim it and that we will go through this life unscathed. And I'll tell you, last week will prove to you that, that that's not a, there's no chance of that. It's, we're at the beginning ages of tribulations and trials. You really need to pay attention. He that endures to the end shall be saved, ladies and gentlemen. So we struggle. He tells Adam all your life... You'll struggle. Now, not only your life, but it, how many knows in Romans 5 and 12, we inherited what Adam had. And so we all struggle. You may say, oh, I don't struggle. You're a liar. You're just a big old fat liar. Liar, liar, your pants are on fire and I'll see them burning from here. Now, I will agree to you. We're going to find out that as we get older, but being older, maturity is not equated with being old because I know some old immature brats. And I know some very young, mature saints. So maturity has nothing to do with being old. But we struggle, but hopefully as we grow older. So, so what are we doing here? I mean, I know there's people gone, but what are we doing here? The, the, the end responsibility of any church is maturity. The end responsible of any revival is maturity. We're trying to make maturity out of you. 
And maturity, the book of Proverbs says, maturity is this wonderful roof that houses over the people of God that when the elements come down, that maturity will cause the elements to not pour down upon them. That's what it says. So our, our chief goal here and in the body of Christ is produce mature people of God. And if you are immature, would you please wake up and pay attention for one Sunday out of 52? We all struggle. We all struggle with something. We struggle in three areas. Number one, we struggle with ourselves. Ooh. The constant battles of facing our fears, failures, imperfections, and regrets. And that's just the name of few. We struggle with ourselves. We've said that I'm my biggest enemy. The Apostle Paul said, I'm, I'm my biggest critic. We've, we struggle with ourselves. Am I at the right church? I guess I am. I guess. But we, we, we all struggle. We don't like the height we are. We don't like the weight we are. We don't like the color of our hair. Our hair's turned gray and now it's turning loose. And I understand that. I mean, we struggle. If I was three inches taller, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. If you was 25 pounds lighter, it would make you lighter. It would make you happy. No, it wouldn't. True joy and content only comes from God, no matter what size you are. So we struggle with ourselves. We've lost 900 pounds. We've lost that same 10 pounds 90 times. Well, if I had a different preacher, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. I, I'm not saying you wouldn't be happy, but I'm telling you, that's not the issue here. We struggle with ourselves. Number two, we struggle with other people. Now you say, amen. Boy, we get caught up in churches and comparing competitions, conflicts, disruptions, and constantly being disappointed. Somebody say, well, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites there. Listen, come on. There's room for one more, really. Just come on. Come on. If there is a perfect church, don't go there. You will definitely run it. We constantly struggle with ourselves. Regrets, shame, fears, dis and we constantly struggle with other people. But the third one is kind of mind-blowing. We struggle with God. We never doubt his love. But we often doubt his decisions. Whew. You know what this is? This is a real message speaking to real people about real problems. There's no make-believe here, folks. This is not Disneyland here. We're, we're, not, we're not fabricating dreams and fairy tales. I'm telling you, we are real people with real problems dealing with real struggles. And not only do we struggle with ourselves, which we do, and not only do we struggle with other people, but here's the deal. Until we learn to get a hold of ourselves, I can't teach you to quit getting hold of other people and inevitably, if you will, if you will struggle with yourself, you're going to struggle with someone else. And eventually, as Martha did, you're going to struggle with God. I know you didn't understand any of that. But if you can't control your attitude about yourself, then you won't control your attitude when you jump on someone else. And inevitably, you won't have trouble in the future jumping on God. This is why sometimes that we doubt God's decision. This is why it's possible for you to struggle with God every day. And we're not going to go into the, the details of people that have lost loved ones prematurely, divorces, deaths. We're not going to go into that. But every one of you here, I've been here 35 years and I know most of you on a personal basis. 
And some of you have really experienced some hardships. You can't be with people for 35 years and not know them. Now, some of you, this is your first time, or you've been here a month. I may not know you, but some of you, I know you, and I've watched you, and I've watched what happened to you. And the first thing when things begin to go wrong, then it's, it's common nature to blame ourselves. Then we learn to have no trouble blaming someone else. And eventually on the way home when nobody's looking, we, we blame God. You see, we talked about a little bit last week, but having faith makes things possible. But they, it doesn't make it easy. Amen. Having faith in God makes things possible. He didn't say, have faith in God. All things are possible. He just didn't say, having faith in God makes all things easy. So it's even possible to struggle with God. How is it possible to struggle with God and survive? Well, I'm glad you asked. Hosea chapter number 12, verse 3. In the womb, Jacob, that he grasped his brother heel, Esau, as a man struggled, with God. He's given you the idea and the prediction of what's going to happen that in the womb that he grasped his brother's heel as a man, he struggled with God. As a man, Jacob, he struggled with God. Are we making this up? He struggled with God. Now, we're not going to go into, you know that I can take you down the road. We will never come back for a while, but dealing with Esau and what's going on in the womb and all the predictions. But he said, here's Jacob that in the very beginning, his whole life was a struggle. His brother come out first and he said, no, the angel said that I'm going to rule over you. Come here. And on the way out, Esau pushed him out of the way. And on the way out, Jacob got him by the heel and said, hang on a minute, buddy. He was fighting even in his mother's womb. And he fought all of his life until the place he came where he struggled with God. Is it possible to struggle with God and live? Yes. Jacob cheated his whole life. Jacob cheated his whole life with the promises of who he was to become in his pocket. Sounds like a lot of sons of God today. They're called sons on the run. Some of Jacob, he cheated his whole life. He manipulated people his whole life. He struggled with God his whole life. And he survived. Genesis 32 tells us the story. Verses two verses, 32 and 24. Jacob stayed behind by himself and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. This is the angel of the Lord. When it says a man, it's an angel. And when the man saw that he couldn't get the best of Jacob as they wrestled, that he deliberately threw Jacob's hip out of joint. Now, this is the message translation. And somebody said, well, I don't like it. Well, then just find one you read and live up to it. I don't care. Jacob's a grown man. He has cheated everybody. He's come along. Matter of fact, we'll talk about his name. But now then God said, I've had enough of this. You've been a son on the run way too long. You have struggled, manipulated, cheated. You're a used camel salesman your whole life. And God said, enough is enough. (laughs) 
So now then Jacob stays behind and lo and behold, he wakes up and there's this angel looking at him dead in the eye. A man angel. And kind of spooked him at first. And Jacob said, you're in my way. And he said, I'm not moving. And the, and the fight is on. The first WWE match right there on the backside of the Meridian Desert. The problem with this wrestling, that they wrestled, they struggled, they wrestled. Why did they struggle to wrestle? Because the scripture foretold it. As a man, he would wrestle with God. And here it is. God loves us so much that he will accept us the way we are, but he loves us even more that he will not let us remain in that condition. And sometimes we're a little stubborn and hard-headed. Not you, of course, but the people that are not here today. That's why they're not here. But God has a way of bringing about his prophecies, referring to we as the, his children. And he'll bring us He'll bring the fruit of it as he promised as he did to Jacob. So in their struggling, and we're going to refer to it as wrestling. Here's the deal. No one was winning. So some of you that have been in church long enough, you know this story. It's a pretty good story and I'm not going to bore you with it. Just go home and read it. But now God is about to change Jacob. He's about to change his name. They misnamed him. God never named him Jacob. We'll find that out next week. God said, I never called you that. You answered to the wrong name. So now then that their struggling is going on, he's wrestling with God. He's wrestling with God's angel. And the Bible said that he's wrestled all night with him. And, and I can't imagine any angel. He's probably just about like me and my grandson bus. You know how that goes. I mean, angel killed 185,000. One of them killed 185,000. So it's not like the angel is not really, he's not really wrestling with him. He understands. But here's, here's this story. They're wrestling all night and nobody's winning. There are some things in our life that we face that are a struggle and there seems to be no winner. Health issues, family feuds, reckless relationships, just constant struggling, but there's no winner. Often that we wrestle day by day with no change each day. Things do not seem to get better. Things do not seem to get worse. That's where he's at. Some of you are dealing with the same problems in your family you had 10 years ago and you're wondering why. I don't know why. Things are not getting better. Things are not getting worse. But there's a lot of things. There's a lot of activity going on. We have been called to walk with God, peripateo, the Greek. There's a difference between walking with God and wrestling with God. When you wrestle with God, there's a lot of motion and a lot of activity. There's just no forward progress. A lot of you here today are struggling with God. You're, first of all, you're struggling with yourself. Regrets, shame, disappointments, guilt. Number two, you're wrestling with other people. We say this, if I would have been on that block instead of that block, if I'd have been born over there, if I'd have been taller, and if I'd have been shorter, you're wrestling with, you're blaming your parents. It's a blame game. Nobody wins. And now you're struggling with God. And God, if you really love me, you never would let this happen. I understand. I understand. And you've been struggling with God and wrestling with God. And here's the deal. Nobody is winning this competition. 
You've been praying for your family and they're not changed. You're praying for your in-laws to get better and they're getting worse. You're praying for your boss and, and, and to give you a raise and, and, and he cuts your salary in half. And I know this doesn't happen to you, but I'm telling you, we struggle. We struggle with our finances. We struggle with, 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 with everything in life. And we struggle with God. God, why, why aren't you changing this? And here's the answer. God said, I'm not interested in changing things for you. I'm interested in changing you. Because here's the inside secret. If God can change you, it doesn't matter where you go. You'll always be victorious in God. Remember we talked to you a few weeks ago when, when the angel went to get Peter out of jail? Remember what he did? He took the cuffs off Peter first before he ever got him outside the jail. Because if he would have drugged Peter outside the jail in handcuffs, he said, hey, now you're free. But the problem is I'm still in handcuffs. What the grace of God does, he sets us free on the inside. And then wherever we go, we're still free because he has set who the son has set free. We're free indeed. See, it's that when and then. Oh, when I get a raise, I'll be happy. No, you won't. When, when, I, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I win the lottery and win all this money, I'll, I'll give $10 million to the church. No, you will not. If you won't give $10, you will not let go of $10 million. So don't start lying. And if you say that, please let me leave the building. It's a metal building because I don't want God to zap me with you. So you pray and nothing gets better. You pray for your children. Nothing gets better. Nothing gets better. Nothing gets worse. It's a struggle. You can't say this getting better and you can't say it's getting worse. And I know today, you watch the television at three o'clock in the morning, they'll tell you, don't ever confess anything negative. I'm not confessing anything negative. When Jesus come and asked blind Bartimaeus, he said, what could I do for you? I mean, that's kind of a dumb question. And he could have said, oh, I can't confess anything like that. I'm not going to say anything negative. We're not saying anything negative. Here's the deal. I'm blind, but I believe that you have the power to heal me. If you never confessed that you was a sinner, I don't know if you can become saved. So we struggle with God. Nothing's getting better. Nothing's getting worse. And it goes on and on and on. It seems like all night long and the battle royale. And we think, we think we're, 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 we're gaining ground on this. And we're not. I mean, just when you think your kids are changing, they make a phone call and you realize they've gone back to square one and negative one. And then what do we do? We go back to being critical of ourselves and critical of our spouses and critical of our school. You know, we, we play that game again. So when Jacob is wrestling God, he's struggling with God. He's wrestling with him. Why didn't God squish him like a bug? Now, for you that are new, you need to buckle up for a minute. God loves it when we wrestle with him because the opposite of wrestling is to walk away. I'm really a pretty good communicator. And we have, we have struggles in this church like every other church. We do. We do. But here's what I will tell you. 
Just talk to me. Don't drop your lip and go, I'm walking away. That's what immature brats do. God invites us to wrestle with him. God invites us to come to him and say, I, I don't agree with everything that's going on in my life. Because God would rather have you come here and wrestle with him and struggle with him versus you walking off from him. Now, if you'll stay around next week, I'm going to tell you, I'd be careful what I would say to him, but I'm telling you. That God would say about Jacob, he's going to wrestle with God. He's going to be a man that will wrestle with me and struggle with me and wrestle with me because I would rather have you coming struggling and wrestling with me than walk away from me. During difficult days that God would rather have us wrestle with him than simply walk away from him to avoid him to run off. When I was a junior in high school, I was a plumpy little lad and I never did play basketball. I didn't play baseball. So my last of junior year, in between shot put and discus, my coach said, hey, you want to wrestle? I said, I don't have anything else to do. So I went to wrestling a little bit. And that's kind of a bad idea. I wrestled a guy one time, weighed about 265. I weighed about 205 in high school. And he fell over and broke my left ankle. I know. That is a bad deal. So I had to hang it up. But, but the thing about it is, in wrestling is the most intimate sport event ever. Has anybody ever wrestled in school? Dan, you have? <laughs> when I get up from a nap, when I wrestle. The thing about wrestling is an eye-to-eye encounter. It's a face-to-face -face encounter. Wrestling. Wrestling is not 90 feet from a pitcher's mound to the hitter. Wrestling is not some cornerback in a football game. Wrestling is face-to-face. -face. Wrestling is eye-to-eye. -eye. It's not like, it's not like that. I'm going to do that. No, no, you're, you're, you, you can smell what they have for lunch on their breath. The reason why we talk about struggling or wrestling that is so important is because that, that what God was about to do to Jacob, he didn't want to do it from a long distant event. Now, I'm going to put this in simple form because some of you are from south of Wilson, but sometimes we, we, we got to have the right music and we got to turn down the lights and we got to get a fog machine going. And, and, and then we're going to say, God, I just need you to we're in the heavens. Just come down and do something and bless me. And I'll tell you, God said, I'm fixing to come down there, but I'm not going to bless you. I'm going to put you in a headlock, buddy. I'm going to get so close to you that you will see the passion in my eyes. And the first time I wrestled in high school, in junior high, excuse me, in junior, my senior year, I think we went to Purcell and I wrestled a kid. 
And I'll tell you, I never forgot the look in his eye. Now, when I was a senior in Long Grove, it's okay. I, I was pretty tough. It's okay. But this kid wasn't afraid of anything. And I could see it in his eye. He wasn't afraid. And I could have whipped out a badge and said, you know who I am? I'm, I'm a state shop putter and I've been 260 pounds. He goes, I don't care who you are. I'm fixing to take your head off. When you wrestle with God, when you struggle with God, here's the deal. You're not struggling him long distance. When change needs to be made in your life, God's going to look at you eye to eye and that'll make a lot of, of us uncomfortable. We don't like it when we get looked in the eye. That's why sometimes when I talk to some of you and you have to drag you into my office like Melissa a lot and, and I'll say to her once again, I'm, and I do, I go, I'm not even going to look at you. I do that all the time. When I'm talking to people, I'll say, no, I'm not going to look at you. But here it is. You're a knucklehead. But when I really see that you're about to run off the road and I really see that you got a car full of people run off the road, I'm going to say to you, now I'm going to look at you. Eye to eye. You need to change. You see, there's something about it when a man or a woman, and I'll use men, when we can look eye to eye to one another and we can talk. There's one thing about here in this church. You'll never, you'll never question where I stand on anything. I don't waffle and I don't vacillate just because you don't like it. And looking men in the eye, we can have this sense of, of commonness and community. It doesn't mean that we're angry and mad, but when you wrestle with somebody now, then it's an eye to eye event. It's not like I got my eyes shut. I'm worshiping God. It's we're looking at him eye to eye, face to face, brow to brow. Because something catastrophic is about to happen in Jacob's life. And it will take an eye to eye and a face to face encounter. I don't need this to be bad because I'm glad you're here. But there's a lot of people that come swinging through that door that keep their head bowed and their eyes shut tight. They don't want to look at God. But I will tell you, the time has come and the time will about to come in the next few months and the next few years. You really, really need to get a hold of what's going on here. This plain church is about over. And so if we're going to be anything as a church, if we're going to be anything, we really need to, to get a grip of what this thing is about. And so wrestling with God. And the thing about that's this eye to eye or this face to face, here's the deal. You know, wrestling really is the goal of it. It's just to gain control over you, to bring you in submission. When you wrestle with God, the, the end goal is not just to pin you and somebody counts to three like Hulk Hogan and... Jimmy Superfly, Snooker, not them guys. God says, I'm going to wrestle you. Why? Because I'm going to bring you in submission. We've been trying to do this long term. I've sent my prophets, I've sent my angels, and I've sent my word, and you're ignoring me. So I'm coming down, and I'm going to give you the stink eye. And God said, I'm fixing to put you in a headlock until I get you in submission until you cry, uncle. 
till you quit fighting me, squirming me, kicking me, your own ideas, your own agenda, your own thoughts and all that stuff. If it's not in the scriptures, I'm telling you, I'm fixing to squeeze it out of you. And I will tell you to stand in the presence of God eye to eye in some way, shape or form. It's very, it's, it's, it's very humiliating. But it's the only thing that will change our life. And I think the day that we're living in, we're going to have to have something more than just bless me, old father, I have sinned. I think once again, we're going to have to have an encounter with the son of God himself. And maybe it's not the encounter that you think. Maybe it's the encounter that Jacob encountered. Maybe it took that to change us. And Casey, if it does, I'm all for it. Wrestling is just to bring you into submission. Where either you'll tap out or you'll say uncle or you'll say this. Okay, God, I've had enough. So then he turns to him and he says, so what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. It means supplanter, deceiver, an insecure manipulator, so on and so forth. A name reveals one's identity. What if you and I this morning were named or referred to according to our primary sin? Leave that up there for a moment. So he said, what's your name? He said, well, they call me Jacob. Once again, you'll find out next week. God said, I never called you Jacob. You let other people name you. That's why you're acting the way you do. That's why you're manipulator, you're camel salesman, you're all these things. But what if your name referred to your primary sins? It goes something like this. Hi, I'm Greedy, and here's my sister Gossip. These are my twin brothers, hateful and hurtful, and these are my parents, painful and poisonous. Wow. You see, the thing about it is when you really begin to have a conversation of God, there ain't a sense of lying about it. There ain't a sense of lying about anything. Oh, you can lie to me. How's everything at home? Oh, it's wonderful. I'm blessed. Really? Really? How's you and the little woman? Oh, it couldn't be any better. Is that a fact? How's your spirit man? Oh, you know. No, I'm asking. How is it? You can tell me one thing and we can put on a show and we can pretend, but here's the deal. You're not going to play games with God. And I think the time has come where we as real grown people with, with real motives and a real message that we have got to submit to God. And our childish ways and our childish activities and our childish thoughts have got to, they've got to go. And God, as we struggle with God and wrestle with God, now the $64 question next week, we're going to find out did Jacob wrestle with him or did the angel wrestle with Jacob? And it's the latter. The angel got him. He said, come here. You ain't going nowhere. So Jacob deep down responds like this. In spite of all my poor decisions and my wrong choices, I long to become the man that God said I could become. I know that I'm part of the problem, but now I'm looking for the answer. That's what he said. 
So if I had to insert my primary sins as my name to be referred to, when I first started my walk with God, it would go something like this. It's just my nature to be angry and greedy, unkind and unforgiving. I explode on others and I implode on myself. Much too often I seem to be unloving and unreliable, especially to the ones that I love the most. But today, God, I confess that you have more grace than I have sinned. I don't need you to raise your hands or agree with me, but I will tell you, I am not the same man that I was in 1981 when I gave my life fully to God. I was saved, but boy, did my outside need some work. And I was unreliable, I was unforgiving, I was unloving, I exploded on everyone, I imploded on myself. I was sharp-tongued, I was cruel, insensitive, and my wife will get back and she'll fill in a whole lot more for you. But, but you hear me loud and clear, for 41 years, Mark Hyman, God would not turn loose of me. The angel had me. And he said, I'm gonna fight you every day of your breathing life until we get this thing settled. And I'm a better man today than I've ever been in my whole life. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But I learned that when His grace gets a hold of me, it changes me. I submit to Him. I surrender to Him. I submit my ways and my thoughts to Him. I learn to think before I speak. I learn to be kind before I react. I learn to answer slowly before I, I'm quickly to give the wrong answer. And I've learned through the years that as I confess all these things to God, but this is the final confession that Jacob probably made. But God, there's one thing that I want to tell you. You've got more grace than I've got sin. And one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible is found in Genesis 32 and 29. And it says, and God blessed him there. Right there. God blessed him right there. Right where? Right there. He didn't wait till he got cleaned up. He didn't wait till his hair turned back to brown. God blessed him there. Wounded, broken, submitted. He said, God, I can't go any further. You have smoked me. I couldn't leave if I wanted to. I confess that I've been unreliable, unforgiving. I confess that I've been cruel and insensitive all my life. I lived up to the name Jacob, but now that I have confessed that your grace is greater than I have need and sin. And, and this is the spot where I quit running. I'm gonna ask you a very simple question this morning. I'm not doubting your sonship or your daughtership. 
But could today be the day where you could just quit running? And in that simple confession that Jacob made, God blessed him there. You know where God's really going to bless you? Is when you reach that place where it's no longer you, but it's Christ in you. I'll tell you where God's going to bless you. Is where you can take all of your dreams and plans and agendas that you have for God. Your wish list, your demands, your contract, your when and then. When my husband straightens up, I'll serve you. We'll go ahead and tear that up. When I get a pay raise, I'll be faithful to you. We'll just go ahead and shred that up. When you heal my body, tore it all up. God, you've got me in a spiritual headlock. You won't let go. You're not going to let go until you change me. And today is the day I want to be changed. And if you'll stay with me next week, I'll show you the, the dramatic change of what changing the name can do. I'll show you what he did. He cast all of his cares and I'll show you the acronyms of that. It's, it's wonderful. So God predicted it. All your days, you're going to struggle. And he told Jacob, in the mother's womb, Here's a man that's going to struggle with me one day. And he did. But God wrestled with him, wouldn't let him go. Nobody wants to struggle with God. Nobody said, hey, God, I'd like to struggle with you. Nobody does that. It is God that makes the initiative to change you. Somebody said, well, I found God. Listen, God was not lost. He sought you out. He brought you out of the miry clay and set your feet up on the rock to stay. It was his divine nature, his divine plan to save you and establish you. But it's also his plan to stay with you and wrestle with you and struggle with you until finally you say, uncle, I give. Yes. And at that moment, God blessed him there. God can bless you right where you are right now. Real change comes with a broken heart and a contrite spirit right here. Father, this morning, we're no different than Jacob. We're, I was a son that was on the run. And I lived up to the name of troublemaker, angry, Mr. Explosion, Mr. Implosion, unreliable, unforgiving unrestrained but deep down I knew that you loved me and I loved you but I'm no different than my great grandfather Jacob that the angel would not let me leave until change came there are men and women in this audience today without a doubt they do not they do not question your love. They just question your decisions of why you allow certain things to happen in their life. 
And I know you know. And I'm so thankful that you understand. And you invite us to wrestle with you instead of just walking off. So this morning, thank you for not letting us go. Thank you by the Holy Spirit for not letting me have the ability to leave you. When I was angry and mad and I had to have it my way, thank you for not allowing me to slam the front door and walk off. Your grace kept me from leaving the parameters of your goodness. And you worked on us and you wrestled with us until finally this morning, we are stuck in our tracks and on the inside of our heart, we're screaming, we've had enough. We've had enough. I'm tired of the accusations. I'm tired of the regret. I'm tired of the resentment that I have for myself. I'm tired of the disruptions that other brings. I'm so tired of it. I'm tired of trying to be somebody that I am not. I'm so tired of the agendas and the plans that I have no idea what's going on. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of trying to be somebody that I'm not. I, I, I give up today, God. And in all my imperfections and in all my struggles and in all my disruption from my children and my grandchildren and my neighbors and all the chaos that is around me, today I give up. My past and my present and my future simply rest in your hands. And God will bless you right here. At that confession, God will change your name right here. Father, would you change us this morning as we just simply surrender to you? We're struggling, but God, you're going to prevail in our life. Your grace is greater than our imperfections. Thank you for that. Let us be the men and women of God that you said we would become. And we give you thanks in Christ's name. And all the people of God said, amen. Isn't God good? I said, isn't God good? All the time. Give the Lord a praise offering. We're being changed this morning. You kind of feel like that God is staring you and giving you this stink eye and you go, what's going on? He's fixing to change you. It's a wonderful concept. Stand with me this morning, if you would, please. And so some of you say, well, I'm not that bad. Well, you're the one that needs it the most. <laughs> There's an old saying we used to say to us, we, we pray for those that, that are here that that say they have sins, but we pray especially for those that say they don't have any problems. God's changing us from glory to glory. Eye to eye, face to face. 
brace yourself. He's not mad at you. He's not angry. He's going to change you into the likeness and the image of his son, Jesus. Communion service, please come today. We're going to exchange the, the sacraments today that we're going to, we're going to give him our imperfections and our weaknesses and our regrets and our shame. And he's going to give us his life and abundant grace. If you're struggling with yourself, we understand. If you're struggling with other people, we understand. And if you're struggling with God, we understand. That God invites you this morning to, to wrestle with him. Don't walk away. He's here to do great things in your life. That night that he sat with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup and he said, this, this bread was the bread that your fathers received in John six and it came down from heaven and they did eat it and they did hunger again. But he said, I am the bread of life. And if any man eat of me, he shall never eat again. And then he took the cup and he said in the Old Testament, this is the lamb's blood that was placed in the shape of a cross upon the doorpost. And the death angel, the Abaddon would come over and pass over wherever he would see the blood upon the doorpost in the shape of a cross. And he said, now then I am the lamb of God and my father will take my blood and he will place my blood in the shape of a cross. And if any man will partake of, of the blood of Christ, that he will receive forgiveness of sins. Within these two elements, there is no power whatsoever. It's just a meeting place. God will bless you here at a point of submission. That's all communion is. Let God bless you this morning. Father, bless this cup. Bless this bread. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.